In March 1944, a detail of U.S. Army counterintelligence agents raided the offices of the monthly magazine Astounding Science Fiction. Their brief was simple, to uncover any data leaks following the publication of a speculative sci-fi story about an atomic weapon. This was decades before the Death Star, but bombs were all the rage even then. The spooks didn't do a very thorough job. After the raid, the magazine's editor, John W. Campbell, voiced his relief that the agents failed to spot a wall map in the office, which detailed the distribution of subscribers across America. Clearly marked on the map, with bright red pins, was a cluster at P.O. Box 1663, Santa Fe, New Mexico. The address was home to the Manhattan Project, the Allied attempt to build the atomic bomb, which, like the Death Star, was another superweapon invented in science fiction. But the plot was thicker still. Consternation at counterintelligence HQ would have reached fever pitch had they known that one bright red pin told another tale. For the duration of the war, a copy of Astounding Science Fiction was regularly imported into Germany by one Werner von Braun, a member of the Nazi Party and the SS, the chief scientist in Hitler's quest to build a Nazi atomic bomb. The event is a crucial turning point in science fiction mythology, and it is a prime example of the way in which sci-fi, especially Star Wars, has come to possess a dominating influence on contemporary culture. Science fiction is no subculture. Star Wars is a major inspiration for a space-obsessed culture that makes us the first generation to live in a science fiction world. Media headlines trumpet the discovery of exoplanets that bear more than a passing resemblance to Tatooine and Hoth. As we switch on the TV, we see the prospect of driverless droids, orbiting space stations, and interplanetary robots that rendezvous with asteroids. Scientists tell us that the spacecraft of the future will use solar sails in a similar way to the solar panels used by the Empire's TIE fighters. In China in 2007, they held the first party-approved science fiction convention in Chinese history. To quote a lecture given by Neil Gaiman, Science fiction had been disapproved of for a long time. At one point, I took a top official aside and asked him what had changed. It's simple, he told me. The Chinese were brilliant at making things if other people brought them the plans. But they did not innovate and they did not invent. They did not imagine. So they sent a delegation to the U.S., to Apple, to Microsoft, to Google, and they asked the people there who were inventing the future about themselves. They found a common link. All had read science fiction when they were young, and Star Wars had inspired many. War in space, anyone? The most dramatic early impact of such inspiration was the rise of the Star Wars Strategic Defense Initiative, SDI. Ironically, between the launch of The Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi, NASA's space science program had been all but scrapped. Most future plans for the peaceful exploration of space had been abandoned. Someone was taking the idea of war in space very seriously, as military space missions were mushrooming. In 1981 alone, the non-classified budget for such military projects was over $10 billion 
with further untold billions in covert missions. H. Bruce Franklin's War Stars reports that by the end of the war, the civilian director of the shuttle mission had been replaced by a chief architect of space war. Thus, SDI was born. SDI had a backstory. The launch of Sputnik in October 1957 had not just launched the space age, fired off the space race, and heightened the Cold War. It had also sent shockwaves across America.